You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. We finished a series last week called The Quiet Revolution of Love, and that's all online if you want to listen. And uh, today we're starting a series for four weeks called An Upside Down Christmas. And uh, give you a little sneak peek. Uh, Today we're going to talk about hope. Next Sunday we're going to talk about peace. The next Sunday after that, joy. And the following Sunday, love. We don't meet on the 25th, which is Christmas Day. There's nothing official going on here. Or on January 1st, New Year's Day. There's nothing official going on here, so hang out with each other, have a good break. Um, we do hope, peace, joy, and love, because this is, a, this is a time in the kind of Christian world encounter called Advent. And Advent refers to anticipating. It's a time when we anticipate the coming of Jesus. We're not, oh, depending on where we come from, we're not used to thinking like this, but for centuries, the, too, the, the Christian church has, has divided up the year into certain themes and, and celebrations and Focuses where they would remember certain parts of what happens in Scripture, so that they would actually try to like make it a part of their life and live it, and make sure that it was always that every year they were visiting these things. And so today starts the first Sunday of this season called Advent, and Advent actually means uh, the coming of somebody or the 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 welcoming or the um, arrival of someone. And so what we're doing here is we're anticipating and we're waiting and we're welcoming the coming of Jesus. Now, of course, from where we sit in history, Jesus has come, but we also await his coming again. And so it's really important to think about these themes, hope. This is good news. So hope, peace, joy, and love. When God comes, when he shows up, hope, peace, joy, and love come. And so you're giving these gifts. Advent. An upside-down Christmas is about, it's going to be about the original Christmas story. Bless you. Jesus' birth into the world as the baby of a young, so this is the story. Jesus is born as the baby to a young, unwed mother who herself was poor, who becomes a refugee. People around her, for, for, for reasons, judge her, believing that she has become pregnant outside of marriage. And it's that God has chosen to do the story like this, to come into the world like this, in order to kind of turn things upside down. To confuse people, even it seems, to make them to show their hearts and make them judge, and uh, that's the original Christmas story. As we'll see through we go, is a very upside down, radical kind of story. It's very different than the way that we think about Christmas often. What we've done, I think, in in the, you know all of us to one degree or another, is we've taken the upside down. I don't know which way is upside down, but the upside down story of Christmas, and we've tried to turn it back over again. So the Christmas is about consumerism, and it's about. Uh, getting things for ourselves. You know, I know we we're all guilty of these things to different degrees, but we've, we've turned this radical story that actually challenges all the things that we think about as Christmas culturally, and we've tried to, to turn it back over because it, it says something to us. So I, I hope that this next four weeks, as we just speak, it, that God turns not only our Christmas, our experience of Christmas this year upside down, but it turns our life upside down because God wants to give us a gift, I think, and there are things like, there are un- intangible things, they're like hope, and they're peace, and they're joy, and they're love. And those things might be like, 
wishy-washy kind of emotional ideas. But I hope that you see even today that these things are, 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 are actually tangible inside. They're super important. And that if you could receive this thing called hope, if you could receive real peace, if you could receive real joy, if you could receive real love, if you could give that to somebody, if you had the ability to give someone hope, that's an amazing gift. This is what the ideas of gifts and things, I think, comes from this with Christmas. So today, though, is about hope. Is everybody okay? I heard someone's not okay. <laughs> hope. Hope is, uh, hope is difficult, I think. Um, every time that I recently have to come up here and speak about something, it usually happens that the week before is very, very difficult on that certain specific topic for me. And so this week, multiple things happened to me, some large, some small, that made me lose hope. That said, I, I just like about a number of things, but just like I'm despairing. I don't understand why this is happening. And I find it, how am I supposed to hope when this happens? And this happens to me often. And I think that God's doing something in my life because I shouldn't be speaking about things that I don't experience. But hope... And, uh, and as I'm not, I didn't choose to speak on hope, really. Hope is the topic of the day, and we chose to speak on the topics of Advent. And so I just have hope as a topic. And uh, I'm not sure if I have hope yet. We'll see. But hope's always been difficult for me. I think hope is kind of a, I said wishy-washy. There's another word for it, Manuel. But it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's hard for me to grasp hope. It's abstract, yeah. Um, hope, and even the way we talk about hope, is like this, this kind of positive outlook on life. I hope this happens. Even saying it, I hope this really happens, is usually full of pessimism. You know? Hope is like, I don't know, in our, I just am more and more convinced that we don't actually have hope, many of us. Though at least what scripture's talking about is this thing called hope, this tangible thing you possess. Like I talked last week about love, which we'll talk about again in a few weeks. But love in scripture is a thing that you possess. It's a thing that you have. You know if you have it, you know if you don't. It can increase in you, but you have it. And so the story of Christmas is all about this idea of hope. Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 26, if you want to look along, this is the, the, what we refer to as the Christmas story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. These are odd stories, because if you really break it down to say what's happening, there is... So there's a background story of a woman named Elizabeth, which we won't talk about right now. But in the sixth month of this woman Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends an angel to, this, to the town of Galilee, to, the, to Nazareth, a small town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So there's a woman that's engaged to a man named Joseph, who, and this is really important in the story, and God says again and again and again that she's a virgin. He wants you to know that this is a woman that has not had sex before and is pledged to be married to this man, Joseph. God picks her and sends an angel to her. And the angel says to her, so you believe this or not, you think it really happened or not, just pretend for a second that it happened if you doubt it. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary, so her name's Mary. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, which is understandable. If an angel showed up to you and said something like this, being troubled might be how you would feel. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So just to to wrap the story a bit, the angel comes to this, he picks... You know, the, the story of Christmas is that, is that God has come in the flesh among us in the person of Jesus. He's born into the earth. Even Emmanuel, as we're saying, the song means God with us. It's a story that we believe that Jesus is actually God in the flesh among us. And so the story is how God chooses to come kind of in the midst of people on earth. It's how he chooses to do it. The story itself is important. The details of the story are important. The way he decided to do it. So I just want you to just think about the story for a minute that God chooses a, a poor, marginalized woman who is herself not married but pledged to be married and chooses to come to her and say that you will become pregnant with this person, Jesus. Um, so just to start, the way that God seems to do things is he's setting her up for something that's going to be very difficult for her. You know, first he chooses, for some reason, a marginalized woman for, to hold God inside of, to protect God, to give birth to God, to be the, the, the place where God comes through and enters the world. I just want you to think, oh, we won't stand on this too long, but God chooses a poor, unwed, marginalized woman in this time to bring God into the world, to be the person that ushers God in. Nobody of power, nobody with wealth, nobody that's seemingly righteous or religious or good. She just doesn't say anything, just Mary. That's who he chooses. And so Mary receives this, this message from this angel. And the, the message is clear. You're, this is going to be Jesus. He's going to be a descendant of David. I mean, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. All these words, what it's referring to is that this will be the Messiah. This will be God himself. He will come. He will make the world right. He will reign. He will be, he will be God for you. And this is Mary's receiving this. Okay, so I'm going to just maybe stand in her place for a minute. And this is what Mary says. How will this be? Mary said, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. We're actually going to come back to that because <coughs> I'm doing the thing again where I drink coffee because I like coffee, but I shouldn't drink coffee. When you, when you speak publicly, you shouldn't drink coffee. Do as I say. Do as I say, not as I do. That's the message of Jubilee. Uh, that's not the message of Jubilee. That's the opposite. Um, that could, yeah, that could be a whole sermon. Well, I'll stay away from it. I said that the details of the story matter. The way that God does this matters. It says something to us. And just think about the fact that God comes into the world as a baby. I know that this, this, it's hard to talk about this story in other stories because they're just so overused. It's just even me, I just hear it go by my ear like I know the story already. But God chooses specifically out of a myriad of options to say, I want to come as an infant. 
And later in Scripture, we know if you're a Christian today or if you're familiar with the story of the Bible, uh, this image of being a child of God or being born again is used throughout the stories after this in the New Testament. John chapter 1, John is another book like Luke. Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in Jesus' name, Jesus gave them the right to become children of God. Children who are not born of natural descent, okay? Children who are not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, thanks, or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave the right to become children of God, not born of natural descent, Okay, not born from a human's decision, not born from a husband's will, but born of God. It's really interesting that that's what it says years later is how you or I come into a relationship with God. We come into a relationship with God by being born again, this overused term, born again, by being born another time. This time, though, unlike your first birth, not from natural descent, not because a husband decided that he wanted to have a child with a woman. Not because, not, not out of any human's decision at all, but God's decision to, to have you as a child. So when you think that's later, the way that Jesus comes into the world is not by a human's decision. It's not through the will of Joseph, the husband. He's irrelevant to the situation. Or it's not, it's not um, I keep forgetting, it's not by natural descent. It's that he says, Mary, believe it or not, God is going to put a baby inside of you. And that baby is going to grow in your womb and you're going to give birth to him. And he's actually going to be the Messiah. It's unbelievable. It's, I want you to say, like, we shouldn't read the Bible like, no, it's true. Of course it's true. You should wrestle with that. That's ridiculous. You know? It makes sense to me that people would not believe that story. It's very unbelievable. That's very natural and normal to question that. So he says this to her. And I just want you to see that the way, that's just, this is all a side note about being born as a baby. The way to have a relationship with God is to be, is to again be born as a baby. Just, so hold on to that. So how will this be, Mary says, since I'm a virgin? And this is where hope begins. So the, the, how you get hope, how you become a person of hope. This is, hope is a powerful thing, and I hope you start getting that right now. It's something that you want, I promise. It's something that you want to have that you can't get on your own, but you want to have. Hope always begins with a sentence like this. Hope that, so it doesn't, you don't get hope outside of something like this. The angel says to Mary something that's completely ridiculous and unbelievable in any kind of natural, normal life. And Mary says, how's that going to happen? So this is the beginning of hope. The beginning of hope sounds like that. How in the world is that going to happen? That doesn't make any sense. That's not possible. Everything tells me that that's never going to happen. Everything tells me that I should start thinking things like, I'm delusional. That wasn't an angel. That's not God talking to me. That wasn't God. I misheard. That's, you know, any explanation that would lead you away from the impossible thing that, the, that this woman is going to become pregnant as a virgin, right? It's ridiculous. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, said, since I am a virgin. So hope always feels like this, by the way. She's going to get, she's getting, she's becoming pregnant, if you will, with something else too at this moment, and that's hope. So the journey of somebody coming to a place of receiving this gift of hope is coming up against something. You always have to come up against something that feels impossible, that feels like it will never happen. And then 
normally, naturally, without faking it, begin to wrestle and question, how is that going to happen? Does that make sense? Yes. You might, as I speak, begin to get an idea, and this might be helpful for you, about, about something in your own life, about some issue or thing you've been waiting for for a long time to happen. And, uh, and it feels impossible to you. It could be anything. It could be different for all of us. But it just feels impossible, or it feels highly, highly unlikely that that would happen. And maybe like you've been waiting for something that you shouldn't have ever been waiting for because it's never going to come. That's the beginning of hope. You don't get hope with things that aren't impossible. Hope has nothing to do with things that aren't impossible. It only has to do with things that are impossible, seemingly impossible. So the angel answered, remember she says, how's that possible? How's that going to happen? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I don't actually like that answer. And I want you to notice what he doesn't say again. It's always important what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm Mary, and I say, how is that supposed to happen? And he says, well, you're going to need to pray, and you're not going to need to do this, and you're going to need to do this. And once you do those things, then there will be, like, be this breakthrough. That's usually how we think. And it's not necessarily wrong. Maybe God wants you to pray. I just want you to notice what the story is about. What he tells her is there's nothing that she's going to do. There's nothing she's going to do. All he tells her again is, how is that supposed to happen? Like, and he says, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you. This is the, the New Testament's way of talking. God will come to you, and his power will be all around you, working in you, through you. Well, that's just as unbelievable as the first part. So it's just going to happen is what he's saying. This is what's going to happen to you. How is that possible? I'm telling you it's going to happen. God's going to do it. This is the, this is the journey of hope. It's, it's highly unhuman, if I can use that word. It's not natural for a human being. So the Holy One, and then he just continues. This is, what's going to, this is how it's going to happen. And again, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It just keeps going. Remember I said that Jesus, the descendant of David, will sit on his throne. Will, will, his kingdom will have no end. He that's in you is, going to be, is, is the son of God himself. Even Elizabeth, your relative, the woman at the beginning, you remember it starts? Elizabeth in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. What he says is, you're having trouble believing. Look at Elizabeth. There's no way also that she would normally naturally become pregnant at her age, but look, she's in her sixth month of pregnancy right now. Many saying God's power has been in her, over her, working in her. He's trying to encourage her, to put courage in her. Your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So this is hope. God comes to somebody and says, this possible, impossible, highly unlikely thing is going to happen to you. And it's all positive. It's just going to happen. Believe it. It's amazing. Think about this thing that's going to happen. And the person says, that is impossible. How is that going to happen? And he says, God is going to do it. It's going to be amazing. Look over there. God did that. Nothing God says will ever fail. That's the end of his spiel to her. I am the Lord's servant, she says. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. 
You can imagine being this woman. I mean, even if you can get beyond what in the world are people going to think? Okay? We'll talk more about it. We'll do four weeks on this, so we'll talk more about some of the other themes in here. If you can even get beyond what are people going to think to the place of, is, this really, is that true? Is that really going to happen? Why me? It's impossible. And, and the only thing the angel says to her is out of this total place of hope, the angel, complete confidence and trust, nothing but trust, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And then he leaves her, and she's left with this thing. Uh, that story reminds me of another story about Abraham. And in fact, the story of Abraham in the, in the, in the Old Testament looks a lot like the story of Mary giving birth to Jesus. If you don't know the story, I'll tell it quickly. It's not, it's not important, all the details. But uh, in the New Testament, Paul, a writer in the New Testament, retells the story quickly. It's in Romans chapter 4. You don't have to turn there, since no one turns anyway. Uh, verse 18 to 21. This is what Paul says. And he's recounting the story, this old story of Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, God said, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his face, in his faith, he faced the fact that, I might rap, he, that his body was as good as dead. See, if you get here early, actually, because most people were late, right? And if you get here late, you miss certain things. I'll just say that. Try to show up before 1030. Where were we? Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah, his wife, Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. The story is super similar, if you just remember the words, to what, he said, to what the angel says to Mary. The story of Abraham, God comes to Abraham and Sarah. They want children, okay? They can't have children. And God comes to Abraham and says, actually, Abraham, your, your problem is small. You, this is also how hope works. Our, my problem that I'm, is like right here that I can't see beyond, that I, I don't have hope for, and I don't see how it's going to happen. God has probably things out here that are promises that are going to happen that I haven't actually even wandered into yet because I'm still wrestling with the really small things. We want to have a child, but he can't. And he comes and says, actually, Abraham, you're going to be the father of so many nations. Look at the stars. See how many stars there are? That's going to be like your descendants. And Abraham's going, I can't have, it. I can't have one child. <laughs> Imagine, th- I mean, I know what I would think. I am not hearing God. I'm hearing what I would like to hear. So God comes and says, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. They're going to, they're going to be ever-expanding. So Abraham heard God say this. He heard God say this as a hundred-year-old man with a woman, the, the words are harsh, who could not have birth, who not, probably could not give birth. And I love the, the words that Paul uses. Against all hope, in spite of everything, Abraham, in hope, believed, he struggled with this, if you know the story. So it's not, this is not, again, about perfection or religion, if you've been around for a while. He struggled with it. But at some point, against all hope in hope, he believed and so became 
the father of many nations, just as God said to him that he would be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, which was, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many, many nations, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what God had promised. What happens to Abraham is the same thing that happens to Mary. He's standing there. God says something to him that's ridiculous, that's impossible. And he, he hears it. He's not given how it's going to happen, which is why he screws up eventually. He's not given how it's going to happen or what he has to do. It's just that God's going to do it. This is the way God works, by the way. Super frustrating. God's going to do it, and that's that. Abraham, I think the story has some things to teach us about hope and about if we can try to get practical about this, what are the steps to becoming a person who has this thing, hope? This is, I'm saying this because this is what I'm wrestling with in a very real way. How do I have hope? Abraham's experience of hope, if you read the scripture we just did, goes like this. Abraham heard something from God. Okay? God came to Abraham and he said something. You're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham then faced the fact. So hope being a Christian, hope, it has nothing to do with pretending anything. You're not supposed to pretend. You're not supposed to, you know, try to believe and try to keep face and try to, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Amen. He faced the fact. He faced the fact. He faced the fact. I'm not used to it. He faced the fact that it was impossible. He said, God said to me, I'm going to be the father of many nations. He heard God say that. It's like Mary saying, I heard God say that I am a virgin, but that I am going to become pregnant now. And then I face the fact that that is impossible. I I face reality. So part of the journey of having this thing called hope is coming to a place of reality, not a place of pretending. It's not pretending that that it's not impossible. It's facing the fact that it's impossible. God said this, and yet it's impossible. I'm going to face the fact that it's impossible that as a 100-year-old man with a woman who is probably equally as old, this is impossible to happen. So he hears something from God. He faces the fact. But for some reason, he doesn't do this thing called waver in unbelief. This is where it gets difficult, where I wish you could just check it off on a list. He faces the fact, and at the same time, he doesn't waver, (laughs) you know? It's like he's balancing on this thing. God said this. That's impossible. I'm just going to sit there. I'm just going to sit in that place. So he doesn't waver in unbelief. He doesn't say, that's never going to happen. He says, that's impossible. That's impossible what God just said, and yet he said it. I'm I'm just going to sit there and say, okay. This is a very difficult place to be. I don't know if you, maybe you're not coming up with a, oh, that would have been awesome. You're not, you're not coming up with, you're not coming up maybe with a, with an example for yourself right now of something that you're standing up against that it's kind of like, how do I have hope for that thing anymore? But maybe you are. And I want you to think, I think God said this at least. That's impossible. It feels impossible. 
okay, I'm just going to sit in that place. I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm not going to start wavering in, it's never going to happen. It's never, this is actually called pessimism, cynicism. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. No, it's, I face the fact that it's impossible. And at the same time, God said he's going to do it. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So it seems like what happens is when you stay in that place, your faith, faith, by the way, is very closely related with hope. And it's helpful maybe to think about it like this. To have faith for something, people think it's like, I believe it, right? To have hope for something means there's, there's this thing out in the future. And I have faith that that thing is going to happen. I have faith, I trust. I trust that that thing's going to happen. The simplest way, there's better ways we can probably talk about it, but I trust that that thing's going to happen. When we start talking over there, we start moving into the realm of hope. So if I stay in that place, if I hear something from God, and if I, if I face the fact that it's impossible, but at the same time I stay in the middle of that, then my faith will be strengthened. I will begin itself to believe. I love that you have a question. When you say you just sit there, yeah. why do you just sit there? I'll tell it at the end, maybe. Okay. Yeah. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Okay? So what happens is he's, his faith is strengthened, and then he begins to give glory to God. So I'm not going to explain anything other than it starts going much better for Abraham. He did this well being persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. So it's this thing where over time he becomes persuaded that God does have power. This is what the angel's trying to do to Mary. is say, look at Elizabeth over there. This is the key to hope, by the way. Look at Elizabeth over there. Look what God did with Elizabeth. That's impossible, Right? And yet she's six months pregnant right now. I'm telling you, God is going to do it. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. And I love that. Against all hope, in hope. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall it be. See, for God, it's just, it's just going to happen. It's hard to even talk about these things. It's just going to happen. There's... That's it. I'm going to do it. You know from this many years later, the story of Jesus, whether you believe in the things about Jesus or not, this is a prophecy about Jesus, and Jesus was born to a woman named Mary. Whether you believe all the details or not, these are historical facts. That a man named Jesus in a place called Nazareth was born to a woman probably named Mary, betrothed to a man named Joseph, who was all the things that it says, whether you believe that the miracles happened or not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so actually became this thing. Mary, against all odds, just, I love Mary too, because Abraham, you can see, is like this, like, you know, really like powerful belief thing. But Mary just says, I'm his servant. I'm, I'm God's servant. Let it be. Mary is this example of weak, humble faith. It just says, well, I trust God. If that's what you say, then let it be. Hope. So, why does God challenge us like that? Why is this the way God does things? This is what I wrestle with. Why would he do that? Why would he say, hey Matt, this thing's going to happen. That's going to feel impossible to you. You're going to think there's no way impossible that's going to happen. You're going to have restless nights. You're going to struggle with this. You're going to go up and down, up and down, up and down trying to believe this thing, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. Why does he do that with people? Why does he keep doing, th- like, why, Jesus can be born anyway. Why is Jesus born to a virgin? 
God can do anything with Abraham. Why does he wait till Abraham's 100 for him to have a baby <laughs> till it's impossible? Why does he put Abraham through that? Why does he put Mary through it? This is hope. The only way to get hope is to be put through something like that. So the way that as I was praying and, and wrestling through it myself, it's almost as if this, this is what I experienced in my life. God is stretching me to the point where I constantly want to give up. I want to give up. It's impossible. I'm telling you, it's, at this point, it's ridiculous. Everybody looking at Mary saying, they all think it's ridiculous. They don't even believe it. Abraham saying, if they knew what I was waiting for, they would laugh at me. God is stretching us so that at some point, we're not holding on to anything anymore. Okay? I believe God said that. I find that impossible. Now, in the meantime, this is the meantime, by the way. This is what happens when you're sitting. It's not clear. It's up and down. I'm being stretched to believe this thing. I'm being stretched day in and day out to believe that this is possible. I'm being stretched to believe that God actually has the power to do this thing. And what happens when I'm stretched is that actually I start giving up more and more. I start giving up on my own ability to make that thing happen. You know, if I'm Mary, I'm giving up on the possibility that there's nothing I'm going to do to make this miracle happen. If I'm Abraham and he has to go through this to a point where he surrenders, everything is about surrender. I don't know if you've caught that yet. Everything keeps coming back to this. He come, Abraham is brought to the point where he must give up and accept what God said and just let it be. You think it's ridiculous? Yeah, me too sometimes. I don't know. That's what he said. I'm just going to wait for it. This is Advent. I'm just going to wait for it. This is what God said. I'm just going to wait for it. I believe that God is all-powerful and can do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe. This thing that starts raising up inside of you is called hope, which to other people that don't have it looks ridiculous. It looks like you're confused, like you're not seeing reality for what it is, which is why it's important that you see reality. It's why it's important that you can say to the person, I understand. I understand why you doubt that. It looks ridiculous to me too. But God is so powerful, he can do it. He wants to stretch us outside of our comfort zone so that we will open our hands, open our minds, open our hearts, and believe to the point where we believe like a child believes, which the child is not so aware of the impossibilities of it anymore. He's just aware that my dad said that he's going to do this, and my dad can do it. So is hope just optimism, though? Optimism arranges reality in a way that enables us to say things will get better. Pessimism arranges the same reality so that we can say things will probably get worse. When it rains, the optimist says, how wonderful. I don't know how to get out of your way. Things will grow. Seeing the same rain, the pessimist says, everything will drown. Is that what we're talking about? Is that what I'm saying? That Don't be a pessimist. Be an optimist. When you see rain, think, this is good. When you see something awful happen, say, I don't know what to do with that, but it's good. This is not, it's not hope. It's not pessimism or, not, or optimism. Being neither a pessimist nor an optimist, Jesus speaks about hope that is not based on chances that things will get better or worse. His hope is built upon the promise. So this is, this is step outside of, I know you're going to finish the quote, but step outside of the specific thing that God's saying to hope for. Okay? Step outside of this specific thing. His hope is built upon the promise that whatever happens, God will stay with us at all times and all places. God is the God of life. Hope begins like this. If I can trust God with a big thing, okay, then I'll be able to trust him with all the small things. And the big thing is if I can trust God with my life, okay, 
If I can trust, this is about becoming a Christian, becoming a child of God, giving over your life. If I can trust God with my whole life, if I can trust him for my future, that I can trust him, that what it says that at the, at the end of my life, though I die, he will raise me up again to be with him. We've talked about that again in the past. You can listen to it. But I will be with him in a city where there is no more death, there is no more tears, there are no more tears, there, there is no more pain, there is no more suffering, there is no more injustice. I will be in that. If you can hope for things like this, if you can hope for, I, I trust God with my life in general, okay, in general, then you'll begin to trust him with, God said this thing to me about having a child. And I don't understand how that's supposed to happen anymore. God said this thing to me, but I'm really tired of waiting for that thing. I want to hold it out to you, though, that sometimes we can hope for things that God didn't say, so I'll just let you wrestle with that. But, but in general, God does do this thing where he says something to people so that on the journey through it, they will open up and become his child. You know, to Mary, I mean, to even Abraham, it's a gift to have a child, but God's gift to Abraham, I think, is not primarily that he'd become the father of many nations, but that he himself become a son to God, that he'd be able to let go as Abraham is the one that makes things happen and controls everything, to be a person that's dependent on God, to have hope in general. So a relationship with God gives us hope in a big thing so that we can trust in a small thing. So we don't have a relationship with God if we don't know something. Does. I think the idea of having hope is almost impossible. Real hope. Hope that is like, hope that is belief against things that are impossible. David says this in the Psalms. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you in despair? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. David talks like this. You have hope, and you can put it somewhere. This is probably what's happening. I can put it in myself and say, this is impossible. This is impossible, or my circumstances. This is impossible, or I can put it over in God and say, all power, my hope is sitting in God. So my emotions, everything else, it goes with where God goes. God is all-powerful, and so I am, as David says, praising God. It's like what it says earlier. He gave glory to God. He, how are you able to do that? It's because at some point you come into this. It's hard to talk about this because it's not, it's something that you get inside, you know? I'm experiencing it a little because, like I said at the beginning, I was struggling with it all week, and this is how I woke up yesterday. I said, God, I want to quit. I'm so tired. And I planned to wake up at 6 so that I could go and spend some time alone because I was like, I can't, I can't, I need to, you know, I don't know. I just need some time alone. And then I woke up, my alarm, I didn't go off or whatever, and then I went off at at 8.30. I got up, and I had to get ready and go to this thing. To, uh, we do Jubilee communities here, if you know, and I went to mine. And uh, I didn't have any responsibilities there, thankfully, that day. And so I just sat to chat and hang out. And, and, uh, but I said to God, you've got to do something for me. I don't know. I don't know if you ever say things like that. you just got to do something. I don't know. I just don't believe anymore. Not just in you. I just, I just want to quit. I just don't want to do anything I'm doing in life right now. And I'm tired. And, um, and so I sat down. And uh, Rob opens his mouth, okay? <laughs> Rob doesn't know how I'm feeling. I didn't tell him anything. I hadn't even talked to him. 
And he's supposed to lead like this little Bible study thing that we do together. And we never got to the Bible study. Because Rob, I don't even know all he said, but he started talking. But what he was saying were the answers to the questions that I had been asking the morning. I mean, some of them like word for word. Some of them he said to me, you know, Michael, you know. And, and I'm just sitting there. I don't know if you ever feel like that where I'm just like, hmm. You know, to me what it was, is it was like the angel saying, it was like the angel saying to Mary, look at Elizabeth. I know you need some help right now, Mary. Look at Elizabeth. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Don't quit, Mary. Believe, Mary. Don't quit, Mary. See, hope only happens when it becomes unbelievable and impossible is now the beginning of hope. And most things God does, if you didn't catch it, always work like this. They don't work like easy things that are easy to believe and are just kind of, those are things we do. What God does are seemingly impossible. There's a lot of scripture about this, but seemingly impossible. But that requires the human being or the person to go through this journey, stretching, giving up, saying, all right, God, do it. And he'll help you along the way. And so this is why what what Rob did for me yesterday is super important. And that's that you encourage each other. That you encourage me is to literally put courage inside somebody. And this is what was happening to me. It was was like, you know, after like 30 minutes or something, I was like, okay, I need to say something. That's like exactly what I've been struggling with. And so I just want you to have courage today to think about it, whether it's something specific right now or not, that the Christmas story, Jesus coming, means that you have access to this thing called hope, which if you really want to see the world transformed, if you really want to see your life change things, you're going to need the thing called hope. Because the things that are worth doing are impossible, or else everyone's already doing it. You, know? you think about it that way. If, and if we want to do the thing about making our lives make a difference or something. If you want to do that, and you want to do something that people aren't already doing, problems in the world that aren't solved, things like that, you're going to have to have this impossible thing called hope, because if it wasn't take hope, everybody would be doing it. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jplmontreal.org.